This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. Agad Nerv Shabbos. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 Chai FM. And it's a very special day. It's a very special Parsha. I know we always say that, but you know what? We're very blessed. Because each and every day is actually illuminated by a special energy. I want to greet our dear friends in our parents' home and hope that you're doing well. And at Sandringham Gardens, because I know that you're listening. And to all the listeners out there. And today we want to speak marriage. We want to speak about this important subject because today is the 15th day of the month of Av. A few days ago, we had the saddest day of the year, Tisha B'Av. And just days later, we have the most incredible Yontav. And our sages tell us that there were no greater festivals in Israel than the 15th day of Av and Yom Kippur. And we need to examine why. What makes these days so special, so lofty, so joyous? In addition, we are now in the second, we are now actually in the fifth book of the Torah, but going to read the second portion. And the second portion is called Vo'eschanan, Vo'etchanan, and it is a parsha that continues where you can actually feel the love of the leader Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu, as he spends his last 36 days in this world with the people that he has shepherded lovingly for 40 years, tended to them like a loving mother takes care of an infant. And he reviews with them everything they have been through together in the last 40 years. And he's working on preparing them for everything that they need to know, everything that will stand them in good stead as they enter the Holy Land as they enter the land of Canaan, they cross the Jordan and begin an entirely different time in their lives and in Jewish history. This is a time where they will make the land of Canaan into the land of Yisrael, where they will follow God's commandments in physical life, in natural life, where they will work the land where they will relate to one another, where they will bring godliness into the everyday. And he exhorts them. He lovingly talks to them. He reminds them. And in this parsha, we have several classic, very memorable themes and very recognizable subjects. The Ten Commandments are repeated in this week's parsha. The Aseris Hadibros. In this week's parsha, we have the first part of the Shema and other wonderful psukim that are familiar to us because they are said in shul when the Torah is taken out. And it's a parsha just replete with, saturated with his incredible love for them and talks about the greatness of the Jewish people, their wisdom. But he tells them, you must be true to who you are. For that will bring you dignity in your own lives and in the eyes of all who see you. Keep the Torah. Keep the mitzvahs. When you go into that land, remember to fear God. All of this will bring you long life. It will bring you joy. Listen. Remember, it will be good for you when you cross over 
and that land that flows with milk and honey will be yours in the fullest sense of the word. When the Ten Commandments, the Aseret Hadri brought, were originally given, it was a marriage. It was at Shavuot. We stood at Sinai, and it was the marriage, the commitment in the fullest sense of the word between the Creator and the Jewish nation. He had offered his Torah to all the nations, and they questioned what was in it and rejected the offer. The Jewish nation unconditionally said, if it comes from you, we want it. In this week's Parsha, we have a repetition of the Ten Commandments that encapsulate the entire Torah. Each one of those commandments incorporates an aspect of the 613 mitzvahs so that all of God's mitzvot, the entire Torah, are incorporated in the Ten Commandments, the Aseret Hadibrot. That was the marriage of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Knesset Yisroel. Hashem was the Chosen, and B'nai Yisrael were the Kala. What was going on? It was the joining of opposites. Heaven and earth, physical and spiritual. For which purpose? The purpose of building a home for God in this world. And when you think about it, the drawing together of opposites is never easy. It's opposite. It's two different worlds. And yet, together they can come together and form a third entity, and each one becomes enhanced. What is the partnership between God and his people? It is to make this world a home for him. It is the woman indeed who takes a house and turns it into a home, who takes a structure and makes it a place which is comfortable, which is homey, which is nurturing, which is welcoming. And that's exactly what the Jewish nation needs to do in order to bring about the time of Mashiach, to be an example unto the nations, to be there as a light, to be there as a constant reminder that there is a creator to this incredible world. It didn't happen on its own. It doesn't run on its own. And the Creator is ever-present. So it is an incredible time to talk about marriage. And it is no mistake that this great festival of the 15th day of Av, which coincides with today, has always been connected to marriage. How has it been connected to marriage? We are told that this day is the day when the daughters of Jerusalem would go out in borrowed white clothing and dance in the vineyards. And thereafter, Shiduchim, marriage matches, would be made. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Today is the 15th day of Av. It is Tuba Av. And we are talking about marriage. This is wonderful story where a woman came to the Rebbe and she said, my daughter is struggling to find a good shidduch. And the Rebbe asked, does she know what she is looking for in a husband? She sure does, said the woman. And she proceeded to list every imaginable quality. The Rebbe with a smile said, it sounds to me like you're describing at least three different boys. Obviously, a woman dreams of the man 
of her dreams. A man has the woman of his dreams in mind. But when it comes to marriage, marriage is something that's ordained in heaven. Somebody is bashert and intended for you and not necessarily because you have figured out this long list of things that he has to be. There needs to be a short list of things that he or she has to be. And we need to know that those things are in keeping with God's plan. Can't go against his plan. He made us, and before we were married, apparently each one of us had two parts of our neshama. There was a male and a female aspect, but it was one soul. And at birth, the soul is divided, and a portion of the soul, half of the soul, goes into a little boy. The other half goes into a little girl, and they're each given to two different families. And when the time comes, and they find each other, and there's a reunion, it's familiar I know you from somewhere. I feel comfortable with you. That is because we are actually two halves of one whole. And we come together for a united purpose. The united purpose is to build a third entity. And that is to build what we call a bayit ne'eman. It is to build what we call binyana de'ad, an eternal edifice. Now, we are human. We are finite. How do we build something eternal? The only way you can do something eternal is if you do something which is, number one, in keeping with what the eternal one dictates. So Hashem himself, who is infinite, who is eternal, intends for us to also have something eternal. Yes, we have an aspect of his soul. Well, we have, as a soul, we have an aspect of him. But the eternal thing that we create in our home are the mitzvahs that we do, God's mitzvahs that we do together in that home, and please God that we are blessed with offspring, with children who are educated in the ways of the eternal Torah and who transmit that to the next and the next and the next generation. It is all about being tuned in to Hashem and His infinity, which He offers us in His Torah, in His mitzvahs, and in please God having a child or children who are our link to eternity. So what would happen on this special day? On this special day, the daughters of Jerusalem would go out, as mentioned, in white borrowed clothing. Why borrowed? Borrowed or lent so that not to shame she who does not have one. And apparently... Each one borrowed from someone who was a station above her. The king's daughter lent to the daughter of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. The high priest's daughter lent it to the daughter. The high priest's daughter lent her white garment, her best white garment, to the daughter of the assistant high priest, the Skan Kohen Gadol. And so it was that everybody lent someone their very best white garment. And dressed in these borrowed clothes, they would go out and dance in the vineyards in a circle. A circle indicates that nobody is first and nobody is last. It was all an expression of love. It was an expression of Ahavat Yisrael, of showing love to the other. And that was a fitting preparation for marriage. How do you know you're ready to get married? What 
is a fitting preparation for marriage. And I remember giving a class in the seminary that we ran here for four years and gave them a class about relationship. And one girl turned around and she said, so I guess you're ready to get married when you're ready to give. And that kind of sums it up. It's about giving up the me and investing in the us. And so many people naturally We're born thinking about me and what's in it for me and what's she going to do for me and what's she going to bring to me and what's he going to add to me. But it really, really is about what can I give to the other? Because when you give to the other, an amazing thing happens. The other responds. And those who say, well, if she goes first, then I'll continue, etc. You know, another story comes to mind. It was before his wedding, and the cho- a particular chosid, who was the chosan, asked the Rebbe whether or not, now ready for this, whether or not he should follow a custom whereby under the chuppah, the groom gently steps on the foot of his bride, after breaking the glass, apparently, quote, in order that his voice will be heard in the home. I hear a big cringe out there. You heard me right. He asked, should I do that custom of lightly stepping on my wife's foot under the chuppah to establish who's in charge? The Rebbe advised him against following that custom and told him, a husband should show his wife so much love that there's never an issue of his voice not being heard. Because where there's love, there's respect. But how does one show love? Love is different to so many people. One person can be loving in bringing things to his wife. But for her, she kind of expects that. But for her, feeling loved has to do with something else. Maybe for her, feeling loved will be that she wants him to compliment him. Sorry, she wants him to compliment her. Maybe for her, love is that he should take her out to dinner or on vacation. So a very important thing in marriage is communication. In other words, they need to be true to what it is to be a human being. And humankind is called midaber, communicator. And we need to work on speaking. We need to work on explaining. But explain with love. Find your voice, figure yourself out first, and then speak, explore, explain. And yes, the men don't like long conversations necessarily, but that's an act of love on the part of the husband or the part of the chosen to give his wife or his kala what she needs. Lots of listening and for her to listen carefully as well so that there is an atmosphere of love. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. The Mishnah tells us that there were no greater festivals in Israel, for Israel, like the 15th day of Av and Yom Kippur. Why? Because on those days, the daughters of Jerusalem would go out and dance in the vineyards, and then the young men would come. And the girls would say the following, says the Mishnah, Bacher. So no enecho ureemato boycher lucha. Young man, lift up your eyes and see 
what you are choosing for yourself. So when it comes to marriage, it has to do with choosing. Generally in this life, that is what's so special about us. We, humankind, can make choices. But the girls would call out, four different groups of girls would call out, and each one would extol, as it were, what was special about them. And the Mishnah tells us that the beautiful ones would say, look at beauty, because a woman should be beautiful. Ein isha elaliyofi. That's a very interesting statement. Then there was another group, those who came from good families. And they would say, look at the family that we come from. There were also wealthy ones. And they would say, look at people who've been blessed with wealth. And finally, interestingly, the Mishnah tells us there was another group. And that other group were known as, in a sense, prepare yourselves, the Mechu'arot, the ugly ones. Now, the beautiful ones said, a woman should be beautiful. And those who came from good families said, choose a good family. And those who had wealth said, choose us, because that is an important feature. What in the world would be desirable about someone who said, I'm very plain? In fact... Why would anyone want to draw attention to something which is seemingly a negative? So we need to examine the inner meaning of all of this. Because anything written in Torah, anything written in the Mishnah and the Gemara, is eternal and has to apply to us as well. Those who were beautiful said, a woman should be beautiful. Those who came from good families said, Coming from a good family, we'll know how to make a family. We'll know how to build a family, how to raise children. The, the wealthy ones, we understand if you're comfortable. This can avert many problems, perhaps. Invite others. But those who were plain said, take what you're taking for the sake of heaven. And we need to understand so let's go first, fast forward to those who were plain. What were they actually saying? Actually, these were the ones who were humble. These were the ones who attributed none of their attributes to themselves. And they were actually saying, I haven't even gotten started. Everything I am, I owe to how Hashem made me. I owe to the family I was raised in. I really have been supported, protected, nurtured. And everything's been laid on for me, but I'm ready to get married now because I want to use everything that's been invested in me by Hashem, by my parents, and give all of that in a relationship, in building a home, in raising a family. In other words, they perhaps were the bottom line. When we look for a spouse, when we look, when a, when a man looks for a wife, what should he look for? Should she be beautiful? Should she be of good yichas, wealthy, accomplished? All of those things are there. And we'll speak about that in a spiritual sense. But the bottom line is, is she someone who has refined attributes? Is she someone who is humble, who is gentle, who gives credit where credit is due, 
who is respectful, because all of that will be the ideal mate, as it were, someone who brings consistency into the home, someone who brings an important aspect in the home. And let's talk about that. King Solomon speaks about the woman of valor. And he starts off by saying, Eshet chayel miimtza, a woman of valor. She's rare. Who can find her? Her worth is above rubies or pearls. And then he goes on to enumerate a tremendous amount that makes up the woman of valor. And these things are all like the ugly ones, as it were, the plain ones, like they are prepared to do. Industrious, creative, devoted, structured, runs her home, cares for her family, is, is innovative, is involved. She hardly sleeps. She's busy doing, creating, building. And what happens from her gentleness and her nurturing and her wisdom? Her children praise her. Her husband praises her. She has built something wonderful. And then we have a very interesting um, phrase there which says, Sheker hachen vehevel hayofi isha yirat Hashem hititalal. That chen, charm, is false. And yofi, beauty, is naught. But a woman who fears God, she shall be praised. Well, that's a wonderful thing. Why then does God make us attractive and make us attracted to the external, to beauty? And the answer is that beauty must be there, but without fear of heaven, it's empty. In other words, there has to be a combination. Here, too, there has to be the joining of heaven and earth, as it were, of external and internal beauty. And therefore, the girls who were beautiful said, Choose us, for we are beautiful. The girls who came from good families said, choose us. We have yichas. We will build a home based on the home we come from. And the girls who were wealthy, they too, they said, we can provide, we can supply all kinds of things. So we want to say, we want to review all of these four categories. Number one, the obvious question, how can a girl in the age of Shiduchim say, I am ugly? Uh, is that going to convince a young man to marry her? It's totally the opposite of human nature. But what she's also saying is that a shidduch is bashert. The shoe has to fit. What she's saying is, our sages tell us that 40 days before the creation of an embryo, a heavenly voice goes forth and announces, the daughter of so-and-so is intended for so-and-so. In other words... It's Bashert. You're going to have to marry whoever you're going to have to marry. On the other hand, we do have to try and do our best. And our work in this world is to do things naturally, to make efforts, to make connections, etc. But note that it says the daughter of so-and-so will marry so-and-so. It's very important, the home that a person comes from. She's the daughter of someone. She grew up somewhere. She learned from people. She is the daughter of so-and-so. She doesn't brag. It's not all about me. She has respect for her parents. She has respect for all the generations that came before her, and she knows she's not an accident. It's not amazing that she is so beautiful and she is so special and she is so clever because of her own efforts. 
It's amazing because generations and generations have invested that she should be who she is at this moment. We find that the very first group is the beautiful ones, and they say, we are beautiful. And the question is, is this external beauty or internal beauty? And we do have the teaching that everything in Torah must be taken literally. And if the Torah says, Ein Isha Elaliyofi, that a woman must be beautiful, literally, a woman must be beautiful. In other words, the Torah wants every Jewish woman to be beautiful. But of course, Torah speaks about spiritual beauty as well as physical beauty. In fact, in the Ketubah, a man has to pledge to provide his wife with basics. And one of them is garments. The other one is a time for personal attention. A man must see that his wife has beautiful garments. Yes, the mitzvah is connected with giving her happiness on a yontif because that, a new garment, makes a woman happy. The first time you wear a dress, you feel wonderful. The newness of the dress adds something very, very special. And the Torah tells us to make your wife happy. You make her happy with beautiful shoes, dresses, garments. It's actually a positive mitzvah in the Torah to provide your wife with these beautiful things. But a woman must use her beauty for an inner purpose. She must use them, as King Solomon says, that a woman is a shatrael. As King David says, all the beauty of the daughter of the king is an inward beauty, pnima. In other words, yes, a woman should be beautiful. But this is not to show off in the outside world. This is not to impress friends. This is to be done in a modest and in an inner sort of way. We find the same thing with the high priest. The holiest man in Israel is the Kohen Gadol. And he's Gadol. He's big. He's great. But not only spiritually great, but we know that he has to be very, very wealthy. And if he's not so wealthy, but he has all of the qualities, then his family, his, his friends give him wealth in order to complete him as it was. He's got to be wealthy. He's got to be healthy. He has to be perfect, as it were, like an external beauty. But not for the sake of beauty, but for the sake of the dignity of the position. Similarly, we as Jewish women need to see that we are at the ultimate of modesty. At the same time, we need to see that a Jewish woman should be beautiful. We represent a lot, and there needs to be an inner beauty, but inward. That's what we call kol kvuda, it gives us covered, it gives us honor. And in that sort of way, many blessings come upon the family because of the woman who is modest and who is inward. That doesn't mean shy in a strange way. It means appropriate, to be appropriate according to Torah. And then there's another beautiful teaching, and that is that each and every one of us, number one, is beautiful. 
But we need to know that without inner beauty, which is fear of God, the outer beauty wanes. And it actually initially attracts, but then it repels, God forbid. But each one of us does have a love and a connection for Hashem and a fear of God, which we need to nurture. That's great marriage material. Each one of us as well comes from the most wonderful, illustrious family. We are the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We are the children of royalty. We are the children of Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. Each one of us has yichus. Each one of us comes from very good stock. People who've gone before us, who have been connected to the one above, who have done great things in the world, people who've been disciplined, refining themselves and giving, giving to all those around them, making this world a better place. Yes, we come from good stock and wealthy. We just have to look at ethics of our fathers. The question is asked, Ezehu Oshir, who is a wealthy person? And the answer is, He who is happy with his lot, with his portion in life. And so that third quality, which is incredibly important in a marriage, is to know that the husband that you got, he's your portion. He's your gift from Hashem. I'm not going to look anywhere else. I am so happy with what God has given me. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. I'm Mashi Lipsker. This is 101.9 Chai FM. And it is Erev Shabbos Parshas for Eschanan. And we are speaking about Jewish marriage. We are speaking about the fact that today is the 15th day of the month of Av. And the Mishnah tells us that there were no greater festivals than the 15th of Av and Yom Kippur. And it says for on those days... The Jewish daughters would go out and dance in the vineyard in borrowed clothing in a circle. And this was a preparation for marriage. And afterwards, young men would come and the girls would call out, Young man, lift up your eyes and see what you're choosing for yourself. And what does it mean, lift up your eyes? Essentially, they were saying, lift up your eyes to Hashem. And know that there is one person who is intended for you. Lift up your eyes away from the external, away from the physical reality as it were. Raise your eyes heavenward. And when you're going to get married for the right reasons, Hashem is going to help you to find a shidduch, a match that is suitable for you in keeping with the heavenly voice that went forth 40 days before the creation of you. And it said, it announced who your Bashert would be. It announced the daughter of so-and-so is for so-and-so. Lift your eyes heavenward. Marriage is not for the faint-hearted. Marriage needs us to lift our eyes heavenwards at all times. And to lift your eyes heavenwards, Bochor, Sona Enecha, reminds us of the other lift your eyes heavenwards, Seu Moroim Enechem. And that Seu lift up is where we say, look beyond the obvious and see who created all of this. Look beyond the physical. Physical is important, but spiritual, the soul of the matter is far more lasting. And somehow, there's also what comes to mind, 
that all Jewish women are beautiful. It's only that poverty makes them look worn out. That saying of our sages needs examining. All daughters of Israel are beautiful. Poverty makes them look worn out. There are all kinds of poverty that we suffer from. You know, there are people who have three houses and four cars and eight servants and garments and gadgets and you name it, but they're poor. As our sages tell us, Ain Oni Elabadas, you can only be poor if that's your attitude, if you have a poor outlook. But then again, there's a guy who said, I've often been broke, but I've never been poor. You may not have money in your pocket or in your bank account, but you can be wealthy with the important things in life. It's what happened in the hippie age. They didn't want the materialism. They wanted the soul. In truth, each one of us comes into this world determined that it be a soul journey, but we do get sidetracked. And in preparation for marriage, it's important to get back on track because the other half of your soul can complete you, not, God forbid, distract you from carrying out your mission in life. It has to be lift your eyes heavenward, connect with Hashem, because marriage is challenging. But remember, the challenging things in life are the ones that are the most rewarding and the most lasting. And of course, we have to know, especially in our times, where to focus our energies. Each one of us, thank God, is gifted, has abilities, but we can't do everything. And so often when we have many, many talents, abilities, opportunities, we may not do justice to the important ones. So, of course, a story we have shared, but let's share it again. There was a woman who was a sought-after lecturer, and she came for a bracha to the Rebbe. She was finding it hard to juggle all her roles. Her mother needed her. Her husband needed her. Her children needed her. And she was a public speaker who was in great demand. And she was rightfully concerned that some of her commitments were suffering. What do you do first? Be a mother, a daughter, a wife, a public speaker? And she waited in line for her turn to see the Rebbe. And then when her turn came, she said, I'd like to ask the Rebbe for a blessing that I be a good mother, a good daughter, and a good wife. She'd actually worked out those words. They felt right for her. These were the roles that she was focusing on and fulfilling at the time. And very gently, the Rebbe said, a good wife is the most important. Yes, yes, said the woman. You know, she was a bit distracted. She thought the Rebbe would just say, I give you a blessing. He said, a good wife is the most important. And seeing that she wasn't quite absorbing it, the Rebbe grew serious. He repeated the point for emphasis. A good wife is the most important. So getting our balance, whether we're going into a marriage, looking for a partner in life, or just going home to make it better and better. The lesson is nurture your relationship with your spouse. Nurture your relationship with your spouse. The other relationships will follow. Know who you are. The other half of your soul. Make it solid. Lift your eyes heavenward. Base it on the Torah, which is eternal, and the blessings will flow. 
Please, God, in all good things, in good children, in good health, in abundance, material and spiritual, in peace of mind, in fulfillment, in deep happiness. We need to nurture. We need to nurture carefully. And nurturing means an onward situation. When you give, you get. You know about the happiness. It's the only thing. The more you give it, the more you have it. And what are we trying to build? We're trying to build a home which is illuminated by eternal values. A home that's a light in the darkness. A home that attracts a place where people feel comfortable, where they are impressed and nurtured by what they find. A home that others want to emulate. Because the work that we're doing in this world is to make a home for God. Where do we start? We do start with ourselves. We do continue and reach out to our spouses and our families. But the home that we're building needs to be a home of spiritual light. Because spirituality is light. Spirituality is the reality. And when we take something physical, because we are meant to live normal, natural lives, go to work, earn money, buy food, clothing, shelter, get married, have relationships, nurture those relationships. But in each one of these activities, there needs to be the awareness that this is God-directed and that we need to respond to the inner message, as it were. We need to use the physical correctly for a holy purpose. In fact, marriage has an interesting name. The name is Kiddushin. The word Kadosh is holy. The word Kadosh is separate. Each entity in marriage needs to be looked at in a distinct sort of way. The reason in Halakha that Kiddushin, marriage, has that name is because a woman becomes separated, as it were, from all other men and sanctified to this man, but the word kadosh means holy, separate, lofty. It implies that through kiddushin marriage, lofty, bright spiritual things can be accessed. It is a holy journey. It is a journey of man and woman bringing heaven and earth, spiritual and physical together. We'll be right back after this short break. This is Conversations with Mashi Lipsker. So today, the 15th of Av, is a day designated for couples to find one another, a day that is connected to marriage. We have a beautiful day, and we bless each other, we bless everyone, that they will find their spouses, that they find what's missing in their lives. It's a day when you wish and you hope for that all those yearning, to be completed by finding their other half, are blessed from above to do exactly that. The days are getting a bit longer. We'll be lighting candles at 21 minutes past 5. Shabbos ends tomorrow at 6.12. But today is still that day of marriage, of love. Those of us who are married, let's use today to improve what we already have. I love the story of a young woman who came to the Rebbe for advice. And she was thinking of marrying someone, and she felt that this young man had many wonderful qualities, but that his Yiddishkeit, his level of Jewish observance, was not the same as hers. And 
she just didn't know if it was going to work. And the Rebbe explained the following basis for a marriage. And he said that before a couple decides to get married, the man must have a real understanding of what the woman wants the most in her life. And the woman must have an understanding of what the man wants the most in his life. And each must know the vision of the other and support it 100%. He says they don't necessarily have to share the exact same vision for their individual lives, but they must genuinely desire that the other person achieve his or her goals. Wow. And then he said, when a couple has this bond, their marriage will be a healthy one. That's an amazing, amazing insight. We're two different people. We don't have to be on the same page, but we should be reading from the same book. It's an important, vital thing to have differences, to keep your marriage fresh. At the same time, we cannot overemphasize communication, the ability to find your voice, to express what you feel, to be in touch with, you, with what you feel, and then to feel safe in expressing it, and the ability of the other to patiently listen with their heart. Not a matter of listening so that the other has someone to talk to. It's about connection. I'm listening deeply to you. I'm listening and I will give you my very best in supporting what I hear as your deep desire. It's essential that we work on putting our marriages first. A good wife is most important. A good wife creates an incredible environment in the home. We're in so many directions. Do we stop and prioritize? Do we understand that we need to devote time? And of course, the husbands as well. And to end with this amazing story, something that the Rebbe shared. He had a well-known doctor who treated him. His cardiologist was Dr. Ira Rice. Ira Weiss. He treated the Rebbe. He treated the Rebbitson. And he had a close relationship with them. And the Rebbe once told his doctor, the time I devote to have tea with my wife every day is as important to me as the obligation to put on tefillin every day. If we live our lives according to the Torah, the Torah will tell us, give us direction, give us guidance as to how every aspect of life should be treated. It's an integrated heaven and earth, husband and wife, chosen and kala, male and female, spiritual and physical life. When our lives are truly integrated, we feel whole. We too are a composite of a body and a soul. We too only feel whole when our soul is nurtured, when our body is healthy, when our mind is in place, when our heart is at peace. We are complex just as we wouldn't think of depriving the body of essential vitamins, provide the soul with its essential vitamins. And its vitamins are Torah and mitzvot. It's not something outside of us. We're actually united. Yisrael, Torah, Oraita, Vekutcha, Brichu are all one. Torah, the Jewish nation, and the one above. It's one thing. And when we have unity in our lives, when we have synthesis, when we have a wholeness, a holistic approach, then we have peace. I wish you all a good Shabbos. May today bring simcha 
true lasting simcha to countless families around the world waiting to celebrate a simcha. May today bring eternal joy to all of us. Good Shabbos.